and welcome to the Deep Term VA Podcast. My name's Sean and joining me as always is the one and only Dante Boff from Miss Coffman. Hello. Sean, I'm so good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. But just before we kick off the podcast, we're joined by a third person, friend of the program, uh, Shmi. Shmi, welcome to the Deep Two MBA podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it only took us 173 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, a day one right here. Day ones, for want of a better word. But um, Shmi, uh, housemate of the program, um, has been watching a little bit of basketball, obviously being living with me. The basketball is on the TV. Um, and Shmi's also you know, a fan of... Fan of the the Instagram personalities of the of the basketball players, um, and she told me something the other day while we were watching Warriors versus Sacramento, which we'll talk about later. Um, and then as soon as I heard it, I was like, "Oh, that's really interesting." And then I was like, "If she's around at the start of the podcast, she has to repeat this." And I just want to like, I just want to get Dante's thoughts as soon as she says it. So she, I'm very curious, me. Take okay. it away. So I was saying to Sean the other day that Clay Thompson is my little baby boy. Like, he just gives off cute little baby boy vibes. He gives off cute little baby boy vibes? Yeah. But then... (laughs) Yes, that's exactly right. Okay. But then, Steph Curry gives me zaddy vibes. Steph Curry gives gives you zaddy vibes? Yeah, exactly. So now, Clay Thompson has become my baby boy. And Steph Curry has become my zaddy. You've got your own little, like, warriors family. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and obviously... And Aisha's Aisha the queen Curry, yeah. of all Aisha's, of them. Okay. Yeah. I... I am... I'm shocked by that. <laughs> if anything, I would say that Clay gives me the zaddy energy. Really? And Steph gives me the baby boy energy. Steph gives me, like, the at, the... at church on Sunday morning. Like, he's like a little church boy. I can see where you're coming from with that. But... <laughs> In my he's mind, got like the Clay. light. He's got like the white girl lightning bolt tattoo on his wrist. Like that's his only tattoo. <laughs> he's got one, and it's a little lightning bolt. Oh, I know, but like I don't know. Clay is just such a little baby. <laughs> a little baby. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that's it. All right, thanks, mate. Ciao. <laughs> well, that's one way to kick off episode one hundred and seventy-three. And this is another way. Oh. Now we're podcasting. Now we're podcasting. Now we're podcasting. Um, all right. Well, that uh, that seems to have taken up the slot of little story before we start the pod. Did you have any you wanted to fill or should we get right into the business end? No, let's bloody jump into it. But before we uh, That do, doesn't seem like jumping right in. Oh, yeah. We've got intros. Yeah. Yeah. We've got intros. <laughs> before we do, just a word from our sponsor. No, no. Um, you had something go up on the deep2.com this week. The deep2.com, is it that simple? It is. It is, is that actually that simple. you can find simple. original long-form articles and journalism by us and a suite of our contributors and close friends? It's like you know it yourself. It, that's that's crazy <laughs> that you can find all of that plus our podcast at the deep2.com. You had an article about the Cleveland Cavaliers go mm. up uh, during the week. Mm-hmm. Banger, if I do say so myself. Thanks, so content. you can find that, as I mentioned, at the deep2.com. Um, and what did you tackle in the uh, in the article? Give give the people a bit of an overview of that. Um, I thank you again for the kind words. But I wrote about the Cleveland Cavaliers, who at the time of writing were eight and one. Um, <laughs> as with almost every mid season article you write, of course the team loses the, the next the next game in sort of disappointing fashion. But the eight and two Cleveland Cavaliers are second in the Eastern Conference. Um, and they look really good. They've been winning heaps of games without Darius Garland, who like really might like be their all star. Like, all star might be yeah. their best player. Like you know, Donovan looks really good, but Darius was like the the engine that powered that team last season. Um, and I just not, like, I don't want to I don't want to give it away too much. Obviously, I want you to go out, check it out, and, and read the article if you haven't already. But I say like, okay, this is cool. They look like they're going to be a solid playoff lock. Like it's very early, but how is this team going to like fall lower than the six seed? But just how viable are they going to be as soon as they hit the playoffs? And can they actually... Are they going to be a happy little team that gets in there, loses in the first round and goes, oh, well, we tried? Or Oops. can they actually like make a little bit of noise? Are they and, actually going to be a force? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll say spoilers. I think they will be a force. Um, but find out why I think they're actually going to be a force in the article. Wow. Okay. So jump back onto the deep2.com for that. And saying that we had come out last week, which has been doing numbers, <laughs> as the kids say... Uh, is the second edition of the Deep 2 Film Room, which came from our friend and co-host of the Jeff Van Gundy NBA tribute show, Lucas Petridis. His video on the Minnesota Timberwolves offense, 
um, how they're incorporating their new Twin Towers look, among other things, uh, including an unhappy and malcontented Anthony Edwards, um, is up on the website and on YouTube. So jump over to YouTube and give that a look. Uh, Lucas brings his signature flair and a basketball knowledge crafted forged in the fires of over 15 years of experience and love for the game. So that's what we've got going on. That's our little admin. Also, um, just just on Lukey's video, they're talking about the Timberwolves. They've only gotten worse since that video was published, and it's only made him look more right. Um, and I don't think we're going to talk about it today, but I actually want to bring it up. Did you see that play where Anthony Edwards just stood there, yeah, hands, on, hands hips. on hips? Yeah, Someone came and set a screen for him, which was like clearly a decoy because he wasn't involved in that yeah, play at all. It was McDaniels came and set the screen for him <laughs> and then was like, actually, this guy's not fucking moving. And then he just cut into the game and he got the ball. <laughs> but also like really good reaction times. Like, you know, we'll talk about Edwards, but like credit to McDaniels for, and I think who's that um, small point guy who's on a minimum who shouldn't be? No, well, uh, no, no, it is McDaniel. Sorry, there's two, there's, there's two McDaniels. McDaniel. Yeah, but they're both big. Nah, who's the, who's the small guard? Jalen McLaughlin, Noel. McLaughlin. Oh, Jordan um, McLaughlin. He, he yeah, also, yeah, yeah. yeah, Jordan McLaughlin also went up. Um, and credit to him for, for running up to this dude being like, okay, we're going to set a screen. He's not moving and immediately just bolting off. Like, yeah, I, I would at least sit there and be like, move, move the fuck. Man. So just to play devil's advocate is that great like on court <laughs> IQ or has he seen this from Ant in practice and was like ah fuck he's doing it again I'm not sticking around to find out and he just bolted <laughs> you know what I actually didn't even think about that angle and it's so much more worse <laughs> holy shit um yeah true <laughs> alright well we'll get into Edwards and the Wolves a little bit later on but let's kick things off uh with a news heavy episode today mm-hmm. Um, something that's near and dear to my heart, but in a negative way. Is there not? Is there like a negative version of near and dear, like near and near and fear? Something that's near and fear to my heart um, <laughs> is a report coming from Brian Winhorst of ESPN that Cam Johnson will be out for one to two months after a meniscus trim. And um, emphasis on the trim. Emphasis on the trim. <laughs> now. Meniscus, it's always difficult. It's not as bad as an ACL, not as bad as a full knee. But it remains to be seen whether, you know, someone who does a meniscus is going to bounce back to the peak of their athletic powers like I did (laughs) after my meniscus tear, or whether they're going to go the way of Derek Rose and never quite be the same. And, you know, this is the first time that I've really been able to say this, but I think that my rehabilitation process and the way that I approached it, I can really be a role model for Cam Johnson <laughs> through this period. So, Cam Johnson, if you're listening and you want to reach out, you know where to find me. <laughs> um, yeah, so Cam, obviously in a career year, he was elevated sort of dramatically into the starting role, um, dramatically only because of the guy he replaced kicking up a storm, but Cam Johnson was averaging just around 13 points a night or shooting 43.1% from the three-point line. Um, was just doing exactly what you wanted your starting power forward to do, especially on your team where you're you're getting so much more from other positions. He was stretching the floor, he's playing good defense. Um, he's a very tall body and he's a very athletic body. So this really sucks. Um, Tory Craig, since he is since he has assumed the starting spot, has had like massive numbers of five points, one three point made, three points, one three point made, cheeky one rebound, one assist. Like he's it's you, you just can't get that sort of like. You know how I've spoken about in the past where you just get these skills that are just higher than the game. Like Cam Johnson is one of those shooters where it's just like he is just a better shooter than almost every single human being and you can't really quantify it. So this is definitely going to suck for the Phoenix Suns. But the thing we should definitely talk about is the fact that it is a trim. He's not out for 12 months. They've been able to, and I think it depends on where it is actually broken, the meniscus. I'm not a doctor, but (laughs) it it, it does depend on where the meniscus was snapped. Um, So he will come back. He will be better than Tory Craig when he does come back. I don't think, because it is the trim, I don't think this hurts your title chances majorly. I think this is very much like you are still a title contender. You're still going to be competing for titles. It should all be fine. Um, but it does just suck for a guy heading into restricted free agency. He obviously had the offer on the table. He wanted Mikael Bridges' money. 
Um, and you know you couldn't have seen him getting too much more than Mikael Bridges' money. So I'm I'm going to guess that he was sort of pinching pennies, pennies being ten million dollars in this case. Um, but it is just a bummer for a guy who this might be his only payday. He's 27 years old, obviously an older rookie. Um, this is this is his fourth year of his rookie scale deal. So it's a it's just such a bummer that he might not get as much money as he once would have had and definitely deserves. And the difficulty for him, like long term, with the next contract is. Coming back after the trim, mm. you're back on the court. Your rehab is actually a lot shorter than if they repair it and stitch it up. Um, that's why you're able to return and you'll be in a shorter ramp up. And like you say, like he'll kind of by by like February, he should be back, you know, swinging and, mm. and ready for our stretch run. But the the trim leaves you open to way more um, like problematic issues like problematic and persistent issues down the line for his basketball career you know we're talking like increased chance of a significant tear happening again mm. um and for his life we're talking like early arthritis. on early onset arthritis so yeah. he is obviously making the bet saying i want to like get to free agency having had this season showing everyone that i can do this at a starter level but in a like in a, in a cruel way, people looking at this and saying like, "Well, you've just c- come back and say that he averages fifteen points a night and shoots forty percent from three for the rest of the season when yeah. he comes back. Like he's killing it. He shows that he's worth you know twenty five million a year or whatever he wants to get paid. Yeah. If that's the case, teams aren't going to want to still aren't going to want to offer him that four year deal because they're like, well. You'd be worth it for one year, two years, yeah, maybe yeah, three yeah. years. But yeah. like in the fourth year, like, are we confident that at age 31, 32, your knee's going to be holding up? And the yeah. answer is going to be no. So I think even if he gets that average annual value in the contract he wants, it'll be over a shorter period of time. I mean, yeah. if he got a two-year $50 million deal, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. life-changing money. Yeah, yeah. So let's not like turn our noses up at that. But yeah. it is in terms of... A guy who was looking for 100 or 110 over four years, his one chance, like you say, yeah. at a at a big just to lock up the years. payday, like it's it's disappointing. Um, but you also have to think the fact that he's opted here for the trim, and I'm sure the press release will say, and I'm sure Cam Johnson's people will say, hey, he just wants to win an NBA title. He wants to get back out on the court. But there, there's got to be, you know. Maybe I'm putting too much stock into the business dealings of the NBA, but maybe there's got to be some human element where it's like, hey, man, if you take this risk and you get this trim, we'll... We'll sort there you might out the very end. well have been like an, a wink wink like mm. will like James Johnson seems like he's he's rewarded all of his players yeah. apart from someone who I'm going to mention in a couple of seconds well, he's rewarded blows that I am in his place <laughs> Landry, Landry Shaman's <laughs> making 11 million dollars a year um but well let, let's talk about him now um this came out in the same report from Brian Windhorst um and obviously people say oh no no Cam Johnson well who's his backup Tory Craig as we said but is there anyone else on this roster who might be able to step anyone up and play starting at minutes? All. Um, Jay Crowder obviously is away from the team and one of the reasons he decided to take leave from the team and request a trade uh, as well as tweet in all capitals is because he wanted a starting role Um, he denied that but it has to have played some factor into it because he also wanted to sign a contract extension and I'm sure his contract would get I'm sure any possible offer would get much smaller as soon as he's not a starter Um, but immediately after this report came out that Cam got the trim is going to miss time there was a follow-up report that says that Jay Corrado will not be returning despite the depth issues, which, like, I feel like this is such a crazy situation that Cam Johnson actually has a major knee injury. Like, Jay Corrado can come in and maybe he's afraid the relationship is, but he can be the superhero that comes in, you know, scores his nine points a game and, like, plays fine defense, and it's like, oh, he proves that he's still worth it. Um, maybe he's not worth it, but at least he, you must think that he thinks he's still worth it. And at least this, this is a runway for him to start. Um, it's a little bit of a bummer that he's not coming back for a, for a good team that's going to win it's games. A, it's a major bummer. Not, not, you know, not least of which, because we could actually use him now mm. and in two months mm. and in six months when we're in the playoffs, because yeah. he's a guy who's been there, done that. He was a really important part of our success the last two seasons. Um, and... He's a he's a veteran leader. Him and CP are the guys on the team that have spent the last ten to fifteen years like in and around the playoffs every season. Um, it is it is really disappointing. And I, I'm I'm kinda like 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 Crowder signed two two summers ago, winters for us in Australia. 
two off seasons ago mm. for 27 million over three years which was the mid-level exception at the mm. time mm. like the cap's going up like is he is he expecting to, to get a contract extension at more than the mid-level exception at like mm. age 32 33 yeah, yeah, yeah. and if he's not like he's absolutely worth mid-level money like in today's cap climate like the mid-level is like 11 million dollars like you just give him a two-year 11 million dollar contract right now and call it a day mm. I mean if he thinks that he's worth 20 or something tw- you know even 15 like yeah. I mean I mean like come on no no one's giving you that money yeah um, particularly not if you're looking for years as well mm. um but it is disappointing that nothing, there's been no, uh, you know, no kind of common ground to find here. Not mm. even in this, in this situation, because he would definitely be helping with the team. On a, on a, like a, a night to night level, it means we're going to see a lot more Tory Craig and Mikhail Bridges, I think played 41 minutes in the game after, after Cam went out. So we're yeah. going to be seeing Mikhail taking a lot of that wing stuff and then a mix of Craig Damien Lee and Josh Okogie kind of like filling yeah. in. And Lee and Okogie are, you know, Cam is a definite 3-4. Lee and Okogie are definitely, you know, 2-3. Uh, Lee, Lee's definitely a 2, man. And he, <laughs> yeah, he's not fast enough for 1s and he's not tall enough for 2s or 3s. Yeah. Um, so, like, Josh Okogie, like, now's your time. You've had 5, 6 years of it. Uh, now is your time. Josh Okogie will, will, like, check in, like, for, like, bench minutes in the first quarter and get, like, 3 steals in 4 possessions. And then you're like, oh, my God, this guy's an absolute <laughs> yeah. monster. And then you check his stat line at the end of the game and it's like, 13 minutes, 0 4, three turnovers, three steals, but not a lot else. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean this in the worst possible way. He's a poor man's Mark Wicked Gilchrist. Oh, fuck no. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he actually is. Um, do you want to mention anything? Or maybe just, just before we move on, how do you feel about your title chances? Do you feel like you're 5% less likely to get a title? No, I feel like our title chances, our performance from like March onwards next year has not really taken that much of a hit. What has taken a hit is our ability to lock up home court yeah. in the in the, you know, in the, um, the postseason in round one. Um, like obviously... Obviously, we're top of the West kind of thing. <laughs> You've um, never seen that. Actually, actually, I think I think after after yesterday, Utah is so yeah. we're we're second in the West, um, and this injury will hurt us. I think, as especially as like a few of the other teams that have struggled to slow starts, like find their footing a little bit, mm. um, and maybe make up some ground on us whilst Cam's out. But I, I don't think like come the end of next season that we'll be like a worse team because of this. Um, next piece of news comes from Bill Simmons of The Ringer while speaking with Kevin O'Connor, um, saying that there is some buzz around the league that Anthony Davis might be available in a trade. Um, this is very Bill Simmonsy, um, but also, to be fair, everything he does say, I believe, as a report. He might report two things a year, um, but you trust that he's like speaking to the right people. Yeah. Um, Anthony Davis on the trade block. I feel like we've been sort of talking about this when we watch basketball together and sort of murmuring a little bit, being like, oh, okay, like, Russ is hard to trade. What about Anthony Davis? But then Anthony Davis has been playing pretty poorly. So what's uh, what, what did you think when you saw this um, saw this report done to? Oh, this would be, uh, <laughs> like, the biggest, like, veiled departure from, <laughs> from what we know a team has been trying to do for the last, you know, year, which is, like, move Russ. Mm. This would be... An absolute shock if there is actually any have have been any discussions around this would be a massive departure from the team building philosophy that they've kind of like established Mm. and you said it the 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 biggest difficulty here is that anthony davis actually been playing shit (laughs) for like an extended period of time now Mm. um and he's actually one of the more difficult like trade assets in the nba to kind of value because like he didn't make an All NBA or All Star team last yeah. year. He's what? He'd be twenty nine now. He so is twenty nine years old. He's yep. twenty nine years old. So what team is giving you an All NBA level player back in well, exchange for Anthony Davis? I think they have to realize that they're not getting an All NBA level player back. Um, and that, there was a follow up report, well, follow up as in, in the same conversation with Kevin O'Connor, who said. That they would prioritise cap space in any returning package. 
think most teams in the whole entire NBA would prioritize cap space if they're making a trade whatsoever, especially if you if you're the Lakers and cap space work work works so much for you. But then who? Yeah, it's who's taking Anthony Davis into their cap space? Who has who has the cap space and an Anthony Davis need or want that the Lakers can trade with? What I immediately thought <laughs> as soon as I saw this, and I'm going as soon as you leave, you you can peep at my you can peep at my um. I'm tr- I'm, I'm trying to peep at your screen and see what team you just had. Shawnee's on the on the bloody trade machine. I'm, I'm on the trade machine because as soon as I as soon as I wrote this in the run sheet today, I was like, as soon as as soon as I get home and as soon as I finish this podcast with Dante, as soon as I celebrate a little with my housemate whose birthday it is, I'm getting on 2K and I'm going to make this trade to see what's happening. Um, heaps of stuff's going to have to happen to make this work, including a couple of free agents. But a trade to the Bucks, that's the only thing I could think of. A trade to the Bucks based around Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis and Grayson Allen, which the money works, oh. can't be consummated until January 15th. Or oh, that um, is not a return. I think that's the best return you can get. That's a fucking. That's that's. I mean, that's oh, a, so, oh, okay, okay. I haven't mentioned the picks. Let me fully, let okay. me fully say that. Okay. Bucks give up every pick they can, which I think would be like 20, 28, and then a swap in twenty nine because they're they're so hamstrung by previous trades they've made. But like, if you prioritize cap space for reasons we'll talk about, which you wrote some of the key free agents coming up, they're prioritizing cap space and they just want shooters and role players to make Russ work. Right, Russ and LeBron, obviously. You need as much shooting around them as well uh, as you as you can get. LeBron is the worst volume three point shooter in the NBA this season, and Russ isn't far games. behind him. Yeah, um, having a center like Brook Lopez there, just get a shooter in Grayson Allen who might be their best shooting guard on the roster, right? Just just get role players for Anthony Davis, and it is such dire straits that in in LA that it's like just just do it, and we'll hopefully figure it out. Because you're not winning a title today as this team stands. And if you trade Russell Westbrook, you're not going to get a massive package in return for him. So if you can turn Anthony Davis into a couple of good role players, Bobby Portis, everyone thinks he's better than I think he is. But you know, if you think he's good, obviously there's something there as well. Um, what, what do you think about the, a potential Bucks package? We haven't even talked about the Bucks, by the way. Well, I've been thinking about the Bucks ever since you said I mean, if you want to talk yourself into Anthony Davis' defensive presence... Which I'm not sure you can reasonably do and have a Giannis stand will pay on. for over <laughs> based on the last eighteen months of Anthony Davis's defensive presence. Yeah. But if you do want to talk yourself into that, I mean, fuck, that's a front line that no one would match up on. Yeah. Davis and Giannis at the four five, and then thinking about how that would work on offense. Now the Bucks would have two seven footers who are both at their best when they're attacking the rim aggressively, who love to settle for jump shots. <laughs> Because Davis, fucking, we know, <laughs> we know he can go, for, he can go toe to toe with Giannis for selling for stupid jump shots. I mean, that would be that'd be awesome for the Bucks. Like, like all all jokes aside, um, once the inevitable growing pains kind of were surpassed, if if Davis is Davis and mm. not, and this is, this just isn't who he is, because we're now two full seasons removed from him being like a dominant player. Yeah. yeah. Um, in years that are supposed to be his prime years, it's not like he's thirty-two, and we're talking like, oh, have we it's seen? It's an old guy. Have we seen the last of it? Like, is the end final? <laughs> like, this guy has been bad as a 27, 28 and twenty-nine-year-old. So what, what number do those numbers start with? They fucking start with two, bro. <laughs> um, yeah. For the for the Lakers, so you, all right, this this trade and and you know you're saying any trade that they're going to make is going to be prioritizing cap space. Yeah. For You've got to imagine the off season of twenty twenty three because I don't know if you checked LeBron. I don't know if you checked what number LeBron's age starts with, but it almost starts with a four. It's getting very close <laughs> to starting with a four. So next off season, the guys who are either coming up or have a player option for twenty twenty three twenty four that they could decline who might figure into the Lakers' plans if they want to do a quick retool and then focus on free agency. Chris Middleton, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, woof, Kristaps Porzingis, Fred Van Vliet, Nick Vucevic, Jeremy Grant, and Miles Turner could all be free agents next offseason. You've got to imagine that Middleton and Harden are going nowhere. Yep. You're... Do you want to take a stab on Kyrie or Porzingis as your like yeah. trade away Davis and then and then you know like 
Yeah. Kind of, kind of like retool. And then Vucevic, Grant and Turner are all kind of like good starter (laughs) type players who aren't really going to get it done. Mm. So that leaves one, one player on that list who I think is both good would be a good like business decision for the team to invest in um, and might theoretically want to opt out of his contract and come to LA, which is Fred Van Vliet. Mm. And that doesn't really move the needle that much. (laughs) Like if you told me like I could have Anthony Davis now or the chance at getting Fred Van Vliet (laughs) in eight months time, I would keep Anthony Davis. Yeah, yeah. Because you do have to win games today. Um, Yeah, it's it's pretty grim. And not for nothing, this team is two and eight. (laughs) But those two wins... They've been the loudest two wins I've ever seen. The crip has been jumping. Um, but but to be fair, um, you got to give it to other teams for winning more than two games. <laughs> like, I mean, on the back. Like, for real. The, the three-win Orlando Magic looking really good here. I don't know if you've been on the Bluebird after a Lakers win, but it's just like, man, Russ has figured it out. He's sneaking these little layups in. He rocked the baby. Like, they were up 20 to 9 against the Cavs. Yeah. Um, and then the Cavs were just like, hold on a minute, we're better than you, and then just won the game. Yeah. But everyone's like, man, the Lakers, like, you know, they got that win. This is like, every single win for Lakers fans is like, we've just turned it. We've just turned the corner. We've just turned the corner. Um, two wins like the Kings have four and they start off on five yeah and, and, and everything in our in our group chat about the Kings has been like almost universally negative I'm the only one who fucking watches them which I said <laughs> I, I, I watched them I watched them the other day I watched them against uh, whoever the fuck Fox hit that buzzer beater against yeah uh, I, can't, I can't even remember Orlando, <laughs> so it was Orlando it was Orlando and also, they're a good team also by the way like the worst worst defending on that fucking buzzer beater yeah, by yeah. they just were like okay if you want to shoot an open shot you can shoot it yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. like guy <laughs> why don't you put your hand up yeah, I think it was yeah, Suggs yeah. was just like standing maybe there. they thought it was half time and it was just like a heave yeah. um, just I mean we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up the Anthony Davis chat in a second but just like we said we'll talk we'll said we'll watch the Kings early in the season and we have my one takeaway from this early season is that Sabonis is nowhere as good as other big men. Did have. we say we would watch the game? I, I did, that. and you made fun of me. Yeah, but you've just said that you've watched a couple. I watched one game. And I watched <laughs> okay. My takeaway was, fuck, Sabonis isn't that good. Yeah, he's not. Um, what was your takeaway from watching him? My takeaway was that their role play is actually pretty good. <laughs> Finally, they've actually got okay role plays. Um, Kevin Herter got fouled by Clay Thompson. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. And that's it, very big of you to admit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, guy. he whacked him with the left hand and then he cut under his legs and then he pushed his elbow yeah. out so he couldn't pull it off. Oh, where I'm from, we call that a love tap play on. Now, honestly, like, I don't want to incite violence here, oh, but I, would, okay. get, well, I would get rather angry at the people wearing grey shirts if you don't call that. Yeah. Like, and how to... I was yeah. actually, as a Warriors fan, I was like, "Well, easy on. there, Tiger." Come on, <laughs> there've been some, there have been some like very bad uh, NBA refereeing decisions leading to um, game-altering events. Uh, <laughs> the league also came out and said that Jeremy Grant travelled yeah. on his game-winning uh, jump shot against. Yeah, I could have told you that. <laughs> yeah, it fucking looked like it. <laughs> guy, the guy looked like he was in the middle of like. PE class and his teacher was like like blowing the whistle in between like doing like sprints but you had to be like jogging on your toes yeah. running on your toes like standing still he's like and then someone just passed in the ball and he was like oh shoot I better shoot but not before taking six steps yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, alright well let's Anthony Davis do you reckon he's going to get traded this year nah because yeah. I mean that's that's pretty like seismic yeah that's and, pretty it, seismic. and you're not going to get much no you. I mean like he's yeah I'm, he's would you would you trade Anthony Davis for a unprotected 2023 Charlotte Hornets first round pick? And just matching Flo salary. Flo Terry Rozier in there yeah. as matching salary. Yeah. And a couple other blokes. They've got cap space. So maybe Kelly yeah. Oubre. So yeah. let's, yeah. Yeah. Um, no. 
No, I wouldn't. Who says no? The Lakers? The Lakers. Are you sure? Because what if you send Anthony it's Davis Anthony, over? It's like it's Anthony Davis. But it's, what if he gets injured? It's Anthony Davis. And then that's Davis. Victor Wembanyama. I don't know, bro. That's that's the that's the difficult thing with, with this is like it's Anthony Davis. The initials is AD. We yeah. know what that means from After 2013 <laughs> onwards. It actually stands for Anodomini, but we don't need to get into that. Um, What's BC mean? Common mis- uh, BC actually is an outdated term and we use BCE now which stands for before common era oh. so the common era is this is after the, the birth the of the Christ Targaryen. but they're not yeah exactly <laughs> yeah before, before conquest um, anyway I'm actually reading a book that's like loosely around the bible at the moment so I very much got that stuff on the brain yeah right um Wow, now I'm just thinking about all the fun <laughs> things I'm learning in the book. Anyway, um, it's Anthony Davis. You can't trade him for, like, nothing. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, like, Especially because like, you traded complete, everything for him. Yeah, it's a complete departure from, from your, like, team-building philosophy. And I think it's... What I, I'll summarize my view by saying that I think it's a better bet that AD recaptures his form and goes on a run with LeBron, like sooner rather than later then you do this little pivot and trade him away and bring some other guys in and then those guys and a year older LeBron like make the run that you want like LeBron is is ticking you kind of just have to go with what you've got at some point you can't be like well if we do this and this then we might have a run in LeBron's age 40 season because like no that's it's never happened and it's not going to happen with LeBron we're seeing it now LeBron's LeBron has kind of turned the corner of mm. not quite the guy that he used to be. And up until he was like 36, even last season, there were he started, the way he started last season, we were like, oh, this is the guy. He's completely the same guy. Yeah. But now we're kind of saying that that's not actually the case. Um, so I think you've got to hold on to Davis and hope for the best. Um, yeah, not not to tout anything other than Deep 2, but uh, Michael Pina of The Ringer had a really good article about how far the time is chasing down LeBron James. Um, it came out yesterday or today and sums up everything you've just said uh, as well. Next piece of news is that Steve Clifford has invited Steve Nash in to, quote, spend a few days, unquote, with the Hornets, coming from Rod Boone of the Charlotte Observer. Um, Rod Boone, welcome to your first ever <laughs> news news break on the Deep 2 NBA podcast. You got it. Big shoes to fill, Rod Boone. Um, the reason I'm talking about this is because when Steve Clifford got hired, we all looked around at each other in the group chat, being like, "What the fuck? <laughs> why have another you just, Steve? Why have you just hired the same Steve as before? <laughs> <laughs> Steve 1.0." <laughs> um, and it's yeah, and it was a little bit confusing. But this makes a lot more sense if Steve Clifford's maybe just because obviously we should give some context. They they hired. Kenny Atkinson, he agreed to become the Charlotte Hornets next head coach, which I was over the moon with. Um, and over I the said, moon. And I said on this podcast, I thought it was an amazing hire, you know, get a young de- developmental coach who has only found gems in the rough um, in previous stops, previous stops, sorry. Uncut gems, you might say. <laughs> um, and then Kenny Atkinson reneged so he could um, <laughs> so he could puff his chest next to Steve Kerr 2.0. Um, but yeah, I if this is... Like, why would you report this, right? Why would you report this if if not just you're super nice to Steve Nash, which there should be no reason why Steve Clifford or the Charlotte Observer are super nice to Steve Nash. So my theory here, and I want to put this out in into the universe because I think this is what's happening. Steve Clifford was hired as a bit of a placeholder where it's like, we know you're a known commodity. You don't have a job. You're probably not going to get another NBA job. Come in. We're going to pay you your full contract, right? And we just need you to sit there until we find someone who's a developmental coach who can come in and maybe, you know, whisper in the ear of one Lamello ball and, and try and teach him how to be an, an all-NBA guard. Um, that guy could be Steve Nash. So I wouldn't be surprised if Steve Nash comes in and then maybe it's at the end of the year or halfway through the year or whatever the plan is to be like, okay, we did really want this developmental coach, this guy who we can grow with our roster, with our young roster, which might have a French kid on it at the start of next season. Um, so I think this is... Killian Hayes getting traded. <laughs> I actually shake my head there. That's a good one. Um, now, nah, Ismail Kamagate. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think this is sort of like opening up the pathway for Steve Clifford to be, easily be just relieved of his duties. 
<laughs> I don't know why, but relieved of his duties makes it sound like he's done something wrong. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well. Am I reading into this too much? The flaw in your reasoning is that that would require Michael Jordan to pay two NBA head coaching salaries. They're still paying the last coach, aren't they? Who was the last coach? The Borrego. Yeah, nah, yeah. He he didn't, he he just didn't get his, his extension. Yeah, right. Uh, so I, Michael Jordan famously one of the more stingy NBA yeah, owners, yeah, which yeah. is fair enough because on NBA owner uh, <laughs> wealth <laughs> rankings, he's essentially he's essentially destitute compared to <laughs> <laughs> fucking Steve Ballmer. Yeah. Michael Jordan has you know potentially hundreds of millions of dollars. But, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But by comparison, he's not one of the wealthier owners. Mm. Um. But, but I just, don't know but, if you're but what reading, if he's doing the right thing? I don't know if you're reading into it, but I think like, is it possible that like it's Steve Clifford and we know that Steve Clifford is not someone who wants to be bad or someone who wants to tank and Charlotte's 28th in offense, offense through the early season. And the last time Steve Nash coached even remotely resembling a normal team, last season's Brooklyn Nets finished the season eighth overall in <laughs> offense. And... You know, you can give them a little bit of a bump from that because even by last, you know, even by last season's standards, like there was, it was a bit of a clusterfuck in Brooklyn. Yeah. So you can say like Steve Nash is, let's say, a good offensive coach. He might be a valuable assistant ad for Steve Clifford now to help the Charlotte Hornets bad offense so that Steve Clifford's team isn't bad right now, which is famously what Steve Clifford has both been good at and entirely focused on. Mm. I guess it's just that, like, me, I've got my feet firmly planted on the ground, whereas you've always been a dreamer. And you're looking up at the stars thinking what might be with this caretaker role. And I think not for nothing, you know, if Michael Jordan's doing his due diligence on caretaker, apprentice, like, mm. passing the baton uh, in, in professional contexts around the world, he'll know that the last time a high-profile club did this, it was the Essendon Football Club. <laughs> With John Warsfold and Ben Truck Rutten. <laughs> and you can ask Marco, Lucas, and Aless how that went with Ben Rutten taking over from the sage veteran mentor who had, like, you know, n- nurtured him on the bench yeah, in the right. coach's box. Didn't go well. Yeah, did it? I actually. And don't two know. years after, Truck's out. Right. So, well, I don't know. Maybe that's a bit of a warning sign here. Steve Nash, you could be. <laughs> Nah, but real talk though. Steve Nash and the what have we been? Fun. If not, yeah, it will be fun. Um, man, I f- really don't like footy. Um, next Bef- piece. Oh, you want to give me one? Well, I was just gonna say before we move on to the next piece of news, should we take a break? The depth, the the deep, the ugh, the deep two. God, that's a mouthful. Anyways, I'm Marco, co-host of the... Hey, Daniel Gafford, what's the name of our podcast? The JVG NBA Tribute Show. Wow, I can't believe it's that easy. Thanks, Gaff. You probably know us as two members of Before Man Weave plus Marco, but we know you as our next listener. Well said, Lucas. I gotta ask, how do we differ from the pack of basketball podcasts? It's a great question, Marco. You see, on our basketball podcast, we have two male co-hosts. Wow, truly groundbreaking. After this episode, stay on your favourite podcasting app and give us a spin. Um, I didn't say yes, but we did take a break, funnily enough. And you know that as the listener at home, because you hear the edited version. Um, but, Thanks, Carly, been on one. Uh, last final piece of news before we move on to something I've been seeing, which might shock you, um, is that coming from Kobe Price of the of the Orlando Sentinel that is Jonathan Kobe Isaac... Is Kobe Price another debutant on the dead No, actually he's not. Cause, he's not. Because he breaks all the Johnny Isaac news. Yeah. Um, Jonathan Isaac has returned to 5 on 5 work. Um, the last time he played basketball was on August 2nd in 2020 in the NBA bubble. Um <clears throat> He stood for the anthem before the game. Uh, <laughs> um, he's written a book since then. Yeah. You've drafted him in fan- fantasy since no, then? No, I didn't draft him, but I, as soon as the draft was Did over, I was onto the fucking waiver wire to, to use him with one of my injury exception oh, spots. That makes me less likely to want to trade you Ben Simmons for him. Oh, oh we'll talk about Maybe it. Maybe we'll make it a five for five kind of game. <laughs> Um, what are your thoughts on John Isaac returning to let's let's call it the court? Well, I mean, first of all, Fruit Loop. Second of all, he was at one point like a genuine defensive player of the year candidate. That season where he tore his ACL, mm. he through the first like let's say forty games of that season, he yeah. was absolutely tearing it up. Yeah. 
That was 2019-20, where he was averaging 2.3 blocks per game with 1.6 steals, um, which is pretty mental. Pretty fucking hard. Playing the four for that Orlando team. Um, I mean, like, it's impossible to really predict or forecast what he looks like. And the fact that they've got a backlog at the four and the five with Wagner can play some four. You've got Bankero, you've got Bamba, Carter Jr., Bobo, like, Chuma Okiki's still there. Like, all of these guys who've actually played NBA minutes in the last two years are all ahead of him in the depth chart. So even when he's back healthy, he's still got to surpass... You know, let's be optimistic and say he surpasses four or even five of those guys. There's still another three guys in yeah, the rotation yeah. ahead of you. So I think the chance of him having a meaningful role in this team this season is pretty low. Yeah. Um, let's just move on. So observations. We'll talk about what I've seen because uh, I want to talk about what I've seen. Um, is that the Golden State Warriors? Shock and awe. Sean's talking about the Warriors. But the Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry and Draymond Green are in peak form. Steph Curry is absolutely killing it over 30 points a game I think it's like 5 and 5 shooting a million a million a million splits that have never been seen before (laughs) Draymond Green honestly again a defensive player of the year candidate Um, Mr. Triple Single everyone else (laughs) actually can I say I I actually want to take that a little bit Draymond Green's been scoring a little bit more than he usually does what do you think still single digits (laughs) what do you think his um, points per game average for this season is you know what? In I'm going to talk about a lot of stats, but not one of those stats led me to Draymond Green's page. Well, I'll tell you what. You actually are... I just checked it. You actually are correct. He has been scoring correct. a little more than he usually does. He's Where's averaging 9.1. Yeah. And the reason why averaging 9.1 points per game is a little bit more than he usually does is because he hasn't actually scored in the double digits uh, in the last six years. No, I'll fact check myself. Five years. Um, you know what happened five years ago? He okay. shot like 36% from three. Nah, he- you're talking seven years ago, Buster. Uh, Get your bloody Warriors trivia <laughs> up to scratch. <laughs> nah, but he, he is also shooting 60% from the field um, this season. Yeah, so. What numbers does that start with? I, mean, I don't know. Whenever it started, it was pretty high. Anyway, Steph and Draymond are really good. And they're just keeping this... The starting lineup, Like even if Clay Thompson's still slowly coming back into it, Andrew Wiggins has been as passive as ever. Kevon Looney, he is just a role player. That's just who he is. Um, they're fucking... Like, Steph and Draymond are keeping this starting lineup. Our starting lineup is one of the best starting lineups in the whole entire league. We are, we are playing amazingly. But we just can't do anything when either of these dudes sit. And it used to be that... And the theory was heading into this season was that, okay, Jordan Poole, you're the guy. You've got this <laughs> massive extension. That wasn't a joke. You actually just had so, a cough. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, p- pardon me. That was very rude. <laughs> um, Jordan, Jordan Poole is struggling to, to be the hub of the offense off the bench. And he in, in the past, he hasn't been killing the world when he's been with the bench units, but he's just been keeping them, keeping, keeping them afloat. And keeping them afloat is even cooler when you can mix in with the starters and just be that cool, you know, fifth fifth starter uh, in the death lineup. But he hasn't even been doing that in the starters as well. Um, two stats I want to cherry pick at the moment is that Jordan Poole, last season for the whole entire year, when... Oh, <laughs> last, <laughs> last season for the whole entire year... <coughs> Um, when Steph Curry was off the court, Jordan Poole kept the Warriors at a plus 0.3 net rating um, and had them at a 111.4 offensive rating. Both of those numbers were you know, somewhere between 50 and 60 in the 50th and 60th percentile. This season, small sample size, but a bad sample size, um, in 2023, while Jordan, Poole's, while Jordan Poole plays without Steph Curry, the Warriors are a negative 19 per 100 possessions. The, now, that's bad, It's right? actually the second worst number in the whole entire league. Uh, and the Warriors have a 97.7 offensive rating. That is the worst among all guards in the whole entire that's league. positively processed sixes, Ian. Yeah, yeah, literally. Um... Pretty, pretty fucking shit. Jordan Poole, you can understand maybe a little bit of growing pains, just cashed out, ETC, ETC. But this is like, this is very bad. And he's not making his shots. He's taking good shots. Um, he's had a couple of carries, which, you know, it wasn't a point of emphasis for the refs, but like it seems like it was for Jordan Poole. And they have been carries. I'm not trying to defend him there. Um, but everything's going wrong for him at the start of the season. 
So Jordan Poole struggling. Have you mentioned that he got punched in the face by his teammate in training camp? I actually yeah. didn't mention that. Um, that I wasn't. Like I wasn't wrong. <laughs> I wasn't going to. Um, but on top of that, like we're missing Jermichael Green a little bit. Who, yeah, I mean he's he's missed like a game or something. But we're missing Dante Divincenzo, who. You know, like he's a veteran and he's he's missed this whole entire road trip, but he was available for the taxpayer middle level exception because he wasn't that good. It's like, oh yeah, we shouldn't no, be struggling. No, he was available for the taxpayer middle level exception because he wasn't available. Huh? That's why he was available for the taxpayer mid level exception. Oh, because he was. Oh, because okay. he's always I, hurt. No, it just clicked. It just clicked. Anyway, but he he was pretty bad last year, right? So he's not saving you. He was bad yet. last year. Andre and because didn't play he's coming much. back from a long term injury and then got injured again and then played through injury and of course he's going to be bad. I mean, okay, okay. I've been watching him. He hasn't been that incredible. But Andre Gadala still hasn't played a game of basketball yet, but he's like 52 and like I know he had some incredible numbers last season when he was on the court, but like, you know, don't rest all your fucking bench consistency on, on Andre Gadala. Um, and. This is the the crossover between the two windows. This is what we've been talking about for years now. This is like, if you want to hear about Dante and I talk about the two windows, watch a game of Warriors basketball today because you are literally seeing it. You've got the starters who are one of the best lineups in the world of basketball today and the bench, which are just getting played because of where they were drafted and because we have excised almost everything else because it's their turn. And as soon as it's their turn, they're bad at basketball. It is black and white between the two lineups. Um, and Steve Kerr, 2, 2.0, who is trying to do everything he can to just make at least one or two of these dudes pop. He's mixed in Big Jim with the starters. He's mixed in Ty Jerome with the starters. He's mixed in Anthony Lamb with the starters. Jonathan Kaminga's in the doghouse for whatever reason. I don't know. He doesn't set hard screens and he doesn't run any play. Um, he's, he's mixing in Moses Moody with the starters. He's trying to do all of this, but... Even when you're sharing the court with Steph Clandre, you are still tied to Rome, right? Sometimes things just happen. Um, and it's just like, it is so, like, I think I'm going to write about this soon because it is such perfect imagery of the two windows. And I just really want the fucking, the young dudes to get good, but it doesn't look good right now because Steph checks out, uh, you know, late in the, early in the second quarter and then misses most of the second quarter. And he's just got to work so hard to dig us out of these holes. And he's literally doing it. He's digging us out of these massive holes. And it hasn't been enough so far. I think, what, whatever, four and seven on the season or whatever it is. It hasn't been enough. Draymond Green is in peak form. Slinging punches, blocking shots, putting putting his hand in passing lanes. And as soon as he sits, it's like, okay, Gavon Looney, again, role player. But no one else is making up for it. And it's like, something's got to drop here. Bob Myers spoke to Tim Kawakami, um, Tim Kawakami of The Athletic, asked him a couple of questions. There was a quote here where it goes, quote, I've learned watching our teams over the years, the ebb and the flow of rotations, how it starts is not always how it ends. Clearly, Dante DiVincenzo will be back and Andre Iguodala at some point. And what uh, what will that do to the rotations? Obviously, that's the, the thing you're going to say if you've just spent the last two years committing to this two windows mantra. But I just wonder when the when the trade deadline comes, if we're still where we are right now, it's like we need to upgrade. We need to upgrade the role players. We need to bring in a veteran because we're not winning a championship right now. And when when we were talking about it in the offseason, it's like, oh, damn, you lost Gary Payton. Okay, it's for money. You know, it is what it is. We've got the two windows. Okay, you've lost JTA, whatever, minimum. You've lost Damian Lilly, <laughs> Damian Lee, whatever, minimum, right? But that's a lot of veterans that were just going out there and just playing basketball games and just being passable players. And now we don't have passable players coming off the bench. And we need to, it's, uh, we're, we're fully committed to it. And hopefully they just get better at basketball. Because right now we're, we're not winning basketball games with bad players. Yeah, but I mean, like, you know, I, like I, I, I hear you, but it was never going to be a guarantee that you'd go for, you'd, leap out of one window and into the next window standing vertically but my up. whole basketball to... life we've just won well that's yeah I'm, I'm acutely aware of the fact that you have enjoyed nothing but success uh, no you, there, there's going to be growing pains I mean like the like like Moses Moody isn't just going to become like a top 14 shooting guard in the NBA like just like make... you denounced him on opening night last year denounced him I uh, an- announced, announced yeah, yeah. Um, he, he's not just going to become like a great starter like just because because you're like, okay, now we are relying on you. It doesn't happen like that. Kaminga, mm. the same thing. Like, just because you're like, okay, like maybe we'll give the young guys a go. It doesn't mean Kaminga's going to be great immediately. But you've seen what Kaminga can 
do. You've seen what Moody can do. It's eleven games into the season. You'll you'll be fine. You'll mm. something will click. The young guys will get it, and then you'll go on this. We just need one young guy to get it, and we need Jordan Poole to hit his shot. Yeah. I think you can which, have which which you will. You have to you have to yeah. believe that you will. I th- I definitely think you will. I just wonder if let's say Jordan Poole becomes his prime player tomorrow. Is that enough to paper over the rest of that bench lineup? And do we need to sign? I mean, Dwight Howard's in Taiwan now, but obviously he said, oh, I could come in there and be your backup five. Like, do we need to sign just a, a veteran center whose name isn't Jermichael Green, who's just not tall enough to protect the rim? Do we need to sign a veteran five just to be like, okay, cool, pick and roll partner with Jordan Poole, everything will work around that. I don't know. I just would preach patience as yeah. a manager here. As someone um, who's watched Elio Kobo for multiple games yourself, <laughs> be patient. Holy fuck. That was a, that's a deep cut that I didn't need. Uh, <laughs> the, the painful days of the 17 to 19 sons. Um, whilst you were talking, I was just reflecting on the fact that we've hit all three NBA head coach Steves. <laughs> we hit Kerr, Nash, although recently mm. deceased NBA coach, God rest his soul, and Clifford in the same yeah. episode. Um, Look at us. It's a Steve Nanza. Well, yeah. I didn't reference Steve Kerr 1.0. That wouldn't be in four. No, but you said... They're different, they're different guys. No, you said, you said one of them. <laughs> I said one of them. Um, yeah, well, awesome. <laughs> Do you want to... <laughs> what are we looking up for time? Oh, we're looking like we could wrap up. All right, well, I'll, I'll just squeeze it in there because you've crossed it out and you told me to cross it out. But the Celtics <laughs> are granted a $3.23 million disabled player exception for you Danilo Gallinari's injury coming from Shams of The Athletic. <sighs> you, don't, you don't get an additional roster spot for a DPA. All right, uh, you want to wrap it up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, it's been an absolute delight to bring you this podcast, as it always is. But on a beautiful sunny day, drinking a cold one with my friend and podcast adversary uh it's been real so uh thanks for chatting ball with me sean uh and for all the listeners thank you too make sure you jump over to youtube and check out lucas's video on the minnesota timberwolves offense uh and jump over to the deep2.com and have a squeeze at sean's article about the cleveland cavaliers we'll be back at the regularly scheduled time next week so until then enjoy peace If you look for PointsBet's stock exchange listing, you'll find a bucket of jargon and doublespeak as they're considered a, quote, wagering services operator, unquote. That's a corporate stretch for the colloquial friendly Brogan or, hey, look, it's Chris Bosch kind of image they're sending off with their targeted advertising. I don't know about you, but take me back to the days when former pro sports players signed brand deals with hair loss clinics or Fujitsu aircons, not, quote, wagering service providers. If you're scrolling through your Facebook feed and you come across the two of our faces morphed into one, would that make you listen to our podcast more? I mean, if it does, let us know and we'll start doing it. But when I see a few NBA players' faces morphed into one, it doesn't make me want to pull out my wallet and donate some money to my local wagering services provider. The worst part is we're coming to accept it. Gambling ads are, sorry, wagering service provider ads are so ingrained in our sports and the way sports is delivered to us, it's almost impossible to avoid. Three quarters of Australian children aged between 8 and 16 years who watch sport think that betting on sport is normal and can name more than well, one or more sport betting companies. When I was in school, I was struggling to remember Pokemon names and I'd be furious if I knew that brain power was being used to put towards wagering service providers and not them. The wagering service providers know exactly who to target. It's not okay to let them ingrain themselves in young Australians' minds. It's not okay to target people in the middle of a pandemic, and it's not okay for gambling companies to wield so much influence in the world of sports. To help kick gambling out of sport, use your voice and sign the petition at www.ngamblingads.org.au forward slash petition.